Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, church. Uh, welcome to NBC. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 6 today. If you have no idea where that is, it's about a seventh of a way through your Bible. Uh, just open it up, flip around, maybe you'll find Numbers. If you have a Bible app, go ahead and get it open too. We're talking about blessing today. And um, I think we, we underestimate the power of blessings. And we're going to have a time of blessing here in the service as well. A um, couple of things as you're getting your Bibles warmed up. Uh, next Sunday, there's going to be an information meeting for those of you who are interested in going to Israel uh, and touring Israel. Uh, my wife and I are going, the Iversons are going, uh, and uh, several others of you have already signed up to go, even though we haven't had the info meeting yet. So that's awesome. Love the response. If you are interested in that, join us after the 11 o'clock service next week in the black box. Uh, we'll be there uh, and answer any questions and talk to you more about the trip and, and all the details and that. Uh, next week, we kind of we launch a new sermon series. It's been, um, this, today is not a really a typical sermon, uh, as you'll see, but uh, next week we start one called Good Work, and we're going to be talking about what we do every day, the, the jobs that we have. And it might be that you're a stay-at-home parent and that's your vocation, or it might be uh, that you're out in the marketplace somewhere, you're a teacher, you're a student, all of that, what you do with the bulk of your days, Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about those things and why they matter. Uh, if your job is awful, uh, how the Bible would, would encourage you to deal with that. If your job is awesome, what the point of your job is, all of that stuff. The Bible actually says a ton about work. So we're going to look at that uh, in the next series launching next weekend. All right, blessings. Here we go. I am going to give you a, a short trip through the history of blessings, Okay. Um, now, you've heard the phrase, bless you, right? Uh, if somebody sneezes, we say, bless you. There you go. Or the German version, which is Gesundheit. Yeah, my parents said that for years. I had no idea what it meant until I was like 30. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I get it now. It's German for bless you. Well, we say that stuff, and, and, and we used to say it all the time. And then COVID happened, and now when somebody sneezes, uh, we, we often will give them one of these deals, like my good man Samuel Jackson uh, we just kind of go, if, you, if they're on an elevator and somebody sneezes, you look at them like, you may have just killed me, man, thanks. And we just kind of pass it over. All right, but we, we have a tendency, even if I'm teaching a class or preaching a sermon, if somebody sneezes in the room before I'm done today, right, you're going to, somebody is going to say, bless you, all right? And that's good. That's good because saying bless you matters. Recorded civilization really hasn't done a great job of, uh, of, of tracking it, the earliest reference we see is about 77, the year 77. That's right around the time the Gospel of John is coming on the scene. So this is a long time ago. And it seems to begin with the Greeks and the Romans, and they would follow up a sneeze with phrases like either live long or may Ju Jupiter bless you. So they went through and then Pope Gregory, in about the 6th century, starts taking a negative turn. You have the plague going on. And so then it becomes this assumption that if you sneeze, you're probably sick and are going to die. So Pope Gregory, ever the optimist, starts pronouncing these blessings over people who sneeze as a way of basically saying, may God have mercy on your soul because you're about to die. Uh, and so it becomes that. It's, the idea is that you're... Uh, you're on the verge of death, so bless you. May God bless you in your grave, essentially. Then it kind of takes a turn toward the more superstitious, and you have people that start assuming that what's happening is demons are leaving your body. So when, 
When you sneeze, out go the demons. And so they would say, bless you, as a way of saying, hey, praise God that the demons are gone now, that you got rid of them. Then after that, it kind of works in reverse. There's kind of, I call it the, the vacuum era where the idea is, okay, well, you, you got rid of the demons, but now the bad ones are going to come in. So they're saying, bless you, because you're about to be demon-possessed. And so there's this back and forth that goes on and eventually kind of wears off to the point where we just kind of use it as a general moniker to just simply say, you know what, what whatever, man, you, you sneezed, it's a nice thing to do. It's the equivalent of holding the door open for somebody or uh, doing something like that. It's just good manners to do it. But if you want to know, I mean, it's standard. If, if somebody says it and you're in a room full of people and nobody says it, you almost go, oh, man, like, y'all are rude. And if you don't believe me, try saying something else when somebody sneezes. Next time they sneeze, go, they go, hachoo, and you go, pay your taxes. And like, <laughs> see what they say or say, say uh, let's go Padres or, or, or something like that and just watch everybody go, you're not supposed to say that. You can't say that. You're supposed to say bless you or along the way. We do it because something deep inside of us knows we need blessings. When we don't get one, I can tell you right now, uh, if I go to a meeting and uh, somebody is really trying to get the credit for things, I can almost tell you without exception there was a shortage of blessings in their life. They had parents who didn't tell them they were proud of them. They didn't bless them very often. They need it. They need the credit because they never got the credit for anything. They, they got kind of passed over, if you will, with the, the blessing fairy. Just didn't visit them when they were growing up. Now, uh, if you turn to the pages of Scripture, to me, one of the saddest family life stories in all of the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 27 the story of Jacob and Esau. You may remember there's two different things that happened. On the, there's a birthright and a blessing. The birthright was, uh, both of these were given to the oldest son traditionally. The birthright really had a lot more to do with uh, the, the kind of uh, leadership in the family. It was much more of a, of a typical blessing. You're my oldest uh, son, I'm leaving the family in your hands kind of a thing. Well, Esau stands to gain that because he beat Jacob out of the womb by about a half a second. They were twins. Jacob, name means heel grabber. He was grabbing the heel of his red-skinned brother. That's how the Bible describes him. Harry, like a little Ewok coming out apparently because everybody's like, ooh, Harry, Harry kid, red kid. All right, all right. And so they named him Esau. So Jacob comes out. And they compete with each other. Jacob, always the mama's boy, good cook apparently, and good wrestler as we learn later. But Esau, good hunter, dad's favorite, man's man, hunts things, eats meat, kills things. You know, the way that, that makes, yeah, that's my man, that's Esau. Well, dad likes Esau, Mom's like, mom likes Jacob the domestic kid, you know, and um, he'd probably make you a good latte or something like that. Esau would, 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 would go harvest the coffee beans, plant them, kill anything that tried to take the crops, that kind of stuff, right? Well, it gets to the moment of having it, and, and, and Isaac can't see well anymore, and he can't hear well anymore. It comes time uh, to start doing this. Well, at the beginning, Esau comes home from hunting. He's starving to death, and he actually tells Jacob, give me some of the stew you're making or I'm going to die. And Jacob says, no problem. I'll, I'll give it to you, this bowl of stew, for your birthright. I mean, that's, that's a big 
price tag. You've never paid that much for a bowl of soup in your life. I promise you. Lentils, as we learn. So he says, okay, and he trades it. But Esau still has the blessing coming from dad. One day, with mom's help, Jacob dresses up like Esau, covers himself in goat hair because he was hairy and he knew if Jacob or if Isaac put his hands on him that he would be able to tell, you're not Esau. You got no body hair. Where's my Ewok son that I love? You know, that forearm is a tiny little thing. Where, where's my big strapping boy at? You know, and so he goes in. Isaac can't hear real well, so I guess the voice wasn't a big deal. And he pretends to be Esau and Isaac, the old man, gives Jacob his blessing too. And now Jacob basically caught Esau at a bad moment. Esau gave it up willingly, and now he stole it. He stole the blessing. The blessing had a lot more to do with money. had a lot more to do with who's going to manage all the flocks and the herds and everything in the aftermath of my death. That's supposed to be Esau, but Jacob comes in and swipes it. And listen to Esau and the heartbreak Listen to this, Genesis 27, 36 to 38. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time that he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. And Esau says to Isaac, he goes, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and made all his relatives and servants and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said this to his father, do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And then Esau wept aloud. Interestingly, not to Esau pledges he's going to kill Jacob. Later on when they're about to be reunited, Jacob has a really strange encounter with God where he's wrestling with God or an angel. It's hard to tell which one it is, but they wrestle all night long. And he finally seems to get this angelic being or whoever in his grasp. And the being says to him, let me go. And he says, I won't let you go until what? Do you guys remember what he says? Until you bless me. I think we know how painful it is to have a parent or somebody for whom we're never good enough. The parent never says, I'm proud of you. Carl Jung, the famous psychiatrist, always said, you know, everyone needs mother love and father love. Mother love is I love you no matter what. Father love is I love you because you earned it. And he says if one of those two is missing, then you end up with problems. This is the moment where if you go back in your own life and you think about how much things meant to you or didn't, weren't able to mean much to you because you never got it that there might be a sinking feeling in your heart. It's a good reminder to each of us the importance of a blessing for our kids and the kids that are in our midst that don't have parents that are able to or are willing to bless them in that way, for us to be the ones that do that. Because when we get a blessing, man, man, we just soar. I'm going to take you back to the weight room, a place I had no business being at Long Beach Poly High School in 1989. It's a long time ago. I walk in at 13 years old. Voice has not changed. I'm a late I was a late bloomer physically anyway. I was 5'2". My voice uh, was a, I was still a soprano, maybe an alto, maybe on a good day if I just woke up. I walk in. I was playing water polo at the time. 
We practiced before school. After school, we had to go hit the weights. So I go in for my first day in the weight room. I'm given a note card with the workout routine on it. Now, I need to set the, the, the scene for you quickly. Okay, the weight room at Poly is not like a normal high school weight room. It's a lot more like a college weight room. I went to high school with six Olympians. Okay, six. Those were the ones I could remember. There's probably more. When I was going to school, a future NFL Defensive Player of the Year was there. The future NCAA Basketball Player of the Year was there. The badminton team has won 36 state championships. <laughs> the badminton team, okay? The chess team can't be messed with. The debate team is awesome. The band has won six Grammys. This is an overachieving public high school that is well-placed in the hood. It was 6% white when I was there. So I was one of the five kids that were white that were going to this school. And I walk into the weight room with my card, and I just try to stand in the corner and wait for an opening. I'm supposed to do it in the order the coach gave it to me. First step up, bench press. That's not where you want to start if you're – bench press is where the monsters hang out, that and the squat rack. I go, and I'm waiting in the corner. There is a very, very, very scary-looking large Samoan kid on the bench. He was way ahead of me. I'm going to get – I know later on he was well past 300 pounds because I became friends with him later. I tutored him later. But it was like he was, he was probably 300 pounds as a sophomore. This kid was enormous. Tattoos. And he's throwing up major weight. Major Okay, and so in I come. I bet I don't know what I could have because I'd never bench pressed before. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm watching him. Okay, I got the hang of it. But I just don't want to mess with him. I don't want to look at him in the wrong way. I don't want to get hurt. So he does his set on the bench, and I'm kind of standing there in awe watching this guy throw weight. He gets up, and he's resting. You know, he's kind of doing one of those, like, shake-off things that guys who just lifted a ton do. He's doing this, and then he sees me appearing to wait for the bench, and he looks at me and he goes, he goes, like, you want to take a turn? And I'm like, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. You go ahead, you know. <laughs> so anyways, I don't know. He might have had 300 pounds, maybe more than that, on the rack. Okay. So we're sitting there, and he's, get back, he does his thing again. He looks, I can feel him look at me. I look away second time. I don't even want to be seen. I'm just kind of like, and everybody in there, I, I am the smallest kid in there by a by stretch. Like, there's nobody even close. So then he does his third set, and he gets up. And I look over, and I hear him say, hey, young lion. <laughs> like, young lion? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Young lion. That's me. Yeah, what, what do you need? What, 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 sir, what, what, what can I do for you? <laughs> and he, so he comes over, he goes, come here, let me spot you. So he calls me over to the bench. First we have to remove, you know, all of his plates, basically. <laughs> he could have put one of me, probably two of me on each side and lifted the thing without trouble. We take all his things off, put on the little dimes on the, on the side, I think. And he spots me while I lift. I'm telling you right now, that changed all of high school for me. My entire, probably determined in part where I went to college, young lion, young lion. And then 
by spotting me, he did two things. By calling me a young lion, he said, you belong here. And then by spotting me, he said to everybody else in the weight room, he belongs here. It was a blessing by a random guy that I didn't even know. I lifted harder, faster. I looked forward to going to the weight room instead of being terrorized by it. And it changed the course of my life. Young lion. That's it. Now, I want you to think about then, if that's how I felt, maybe how you felt when somebody had a very critical time, says something like, you're pretty. Hey, have you lost weight? Why, yes, I have. Thank you very much. Those little tiny things that people say that just like, you know, the puppy dogs and flowers start flying when they say it because of the kind word of the right thing at the right time. Man, I'm telling you, think about this. Parents, you hold the power of life and death in your tongue, in your mouth. What your kids wouldn't give to just hear you say, I'm proud of you. Remember, they need both. I love you unconditionally, and man, I'm proud of you. They need both. And it's good for moms and dads, if, if you've got a two-parent house, for them to mix that up a little bit. They need to hear I'm proud of you from your mom, and they need to hear from their dad too. And they need to hear I love you from their dad, and they need to hear I'm proud of you from their mom. Man, when we get a blessing like that, and then, and then, when the God of the universe, our Heavenly Father, blesses us and says to us, may you this. I mean, if I could throw weight when a random dude in high school calls me young lion, what can I do when the God of the universe changes my name? Doesn't call me loser or this or that or whatever, but says, no, no, no. My son, you're one of my kids, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. The blessing and the feeling of blessing that goes with that one, it's the God of the universe saying, your heavenly father. God knows. I think that's why he commanded the Old Testament priests. They were commanded by God, this is 1 Chronicles 23, 13, to pronounce blessings in his name forever. He tells them, I want you to pronounce blessings in my name forever. Now, their principal blessing was given to Aaron in Numbers 6, 24 to 36. It's going to be our text for today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. So this is given. From that moment forward, at Passover, many other festivals, as well as in regular synagogue gatherings, all the way up. I'm, I am virtually, I'm, I'm totally certain that Jesus heard this pronounced in the synagogue as a boy. The priest, he would, he would hold his hands like this, like that. That is a physical representation of the Hebrew letter shin. Short for Shaddai, Almighty God. 
And he would put his hands out like this and he would bless the church as though to say, I'm stretching out the presence of God upon you. Here's where it happens. Number 6, 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. There was a young Jewish boy who grew up in synagogue seeing this. And later on, when he starred in a TV show called Star Trek, no joke. And they said, we need a physical symbol of live long and prosper. He says, I got just the one. Looks like that. So live long and prosper like that becomes the symbol even on Star Trek. They steal it from the Bible. <laughs> they steal it. You keep going through the blessing checklist of the Bible. You go to the time of Jesus. Do you guys remember when Jesus is baptized? By John the Baptist, and he comes out of the Jordan River. All of a sudden, the spirit falls, and there's a voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. God blesses Jesus in the hearing of everybody. Jesus, when he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, this is Luke 24, 50 to 53. Here's how it's recounted. We all know the Great Commission, but listen to this. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands. Some people think he did the double Vulcan there. <laughs> he, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up in heaven. So as mid-bless, mid-bless, he's taken up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Baptism. Do you remember a little sermon he preached too? It was called uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's called. You can find it in Matthew 5 to 7. Go something like this. Blank is the one who, that's Psalm 23, blank are the poor in spirit. What's the blank? Blessed, 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 blessed. He gives blessings, he receives blessings, he keeps that tradition alive. And now, as God had told the priests back in Numbers, this is what I want you to do. We now as Christians have the benefit of having a high priest in Jesus who blesses us and who continues to, to, to bless his people through all generations. Blessings remain common all the way through the New Testament letters. I'm going to read you a few these are just unbelievable. Almost every, every New Testament letter I can think of has a blessing in it, often more than one. Jude, Jesus' half-brother, this is Jude 24 to 25. He writes, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I've always liked this one from Paul to the Romans. May, that's a great, that's a dead giveaway. We got us a blessing on our hand. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other 
that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the Thessalonians, he writes this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. 2 Corinthians, this is the most common one that was used in the early church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I mean, think about the truckload of weight in that blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a lot. And the love of God that never ends, has no end. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so they would pronounce this over each other when they departed. You may not even notice that we do this at NBC, but you will after today. At NBC for years and years and years, I don't remember exactly when we started doing it. I think it's been seven or eight years. It's been a long time. We started either saying or saying and projecting or just projecting a little phrase. Have you noticed it? Can you say it? Go with God, right? What is that? That's a blessing. It's a way of us saying, we pray that God is with you wherever you go. That you feel his presence as you go. It's a blessing. I like blessings in some ways. I, I hope this isn't sacrilegious. I don't, I don't know that it's better than, but in some ways I think blessings are more important than prayers. Here's why. Many of us, when we pray for somebody, we do it in private. They don't hear it. Right? If you, a lot of parents, when you pray for your kids, you're doing it at night before you go to bed, and they're in another room. And you're directly talking to God, asking God to directly intervene. A, a, a blessing is like a prayer, a face-to-face prayer with the tense changed. May this happen. I want this to happen. May God grant you this. It's, it's a wonderful, beautiful way of being direct. So I'm going to invite you now to do some blessing with me. You have one line. Please don't forget it. It's actually one word. Uh, your word is amen. Okay. All right. You think you can remember it? All right, good. We're going to test it in a second. In fact, just go ahead and let me hear it. Uh, amen. 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 There we go. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Now, those of you who are not, don't fall into any of these three camps, don't worry. Your blessings are coming in the, in the Good Work series. This is the time of year when we have teachers and administrators, parents of students, and students are going back to school. You either started last week or you're getting ready to start or you're a college kid and you've got another two, three weeks, whatever the case may be. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and, and same for those of you who are joining us online, is I would like you to, if you're willing, you don't have to, uh, but you get to, and I hope you will, uh, stand when we call you because I'm going to pronounce a a blessing on you. And when I say, and the church said, you guys say what? Amen. All right, here we go. Uh, I want to start with teachers and administrators. Coaches, it applies to you too. Teachers, administrators, and and, uh, coaches. Go ahead and stand.
I see you in here. You can't hide from me. Don't make me call you out. There we go. All right. Um, I want to pronounce this blessing upon you. May God grant you an abundance of his wisdom. May he prepare your hearts to welcome and love our loved ones. May he show you love and respect. May we show you love and respect in return. May you be covered in God's grace as you help students who are not thriving. May you receive courage to say what needs to be said, the words to speak in love, the strength when you feel weak. When you feel unseen, may you feel the gratitude that we feel for the gift of learning that you share with children. May your classrooms and offices and courts and diamonds and fields be altars. May the Lord bless you and your faithfulness impact generations to come. And the church said, amen. amen. All right. Students, where are you at? I see a row of them in front. Let's go. Let's go. Don't be shy, wherever you may be. All right, church, I want to hear you loud on the amen on this when we get to the end. Students, may God transform your insecurities into boldness, any arrogance into humility. May God grant you a spirit that hungers first for righteousness and a life directed by his spirit. May you go about your days remembering you are not first students who go to church, but followers of Jesus who happen to be students. May the Lord bring you friends who bring you closer to Christ rather than encourage you to disgrace him. And if you must stand alone for a time, may that time be brief, founded on the knowledge that you are one of millions upon millions of young people who are followers of Jesus, loved and protected by Christ and his church. May God grant you days free from fear and nights of sweet sleep. May you seek God's kingdom first and be forces for good on your campuses. And the church said, amen. And now for the anxious group, probably more anxious than all of them, that, that's us parents here. I've got one for us, but before we get there, let me just pause and say this. I think one of the saddest things that, that, that we can do as parents is to create a sense of uh, school is like this otherworldly place where your normal life carves off. Now you go to school, and then we're going to pick you up after the fact. We dichotomize their world for them. We say, all right, well, hey, you know, basically you're going out there today. Uh, you know, don't, don't take drugs, get good grades, et cetera, et cetera, and lose that sense of vocation for what they're doing. Just like us parents. You don't have a spiritual life and then a work life. You got one life. In the eyes of God, you got one life. You're supposed to be the same. Your value system is supposed to be the same. Now, maybe you're, 
your language changes a little bit in terms of when you're, when you're talking to people who aren't people of faith or whatever, but the person you are in the church building and the person you are when you're around your kids and the person you are at the gym and the person you are when you're having all, all sorts of fun or whatever and the kind of person that you are when you're in the office are supposed to be the same. The value system, it does not work on a sliding scale. It is who we are. We represent Jesus wherever we are, the Holy Spirit we, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to, to reign free within us everywhere we go and every place we go. So as we pronounce these blessings on our kids and uh, teachers and coaches and stuff, that, that's the part that I got, we got to make sure we're getting through when we bless them. It's one of the pluses of blessing your kids on the way out the door and maybe on the way back in the door is it reminds them, oh, yeah, God's involved in this. God's involved. He's in the middle of it all. All right, parents, if you're a parent of a student, go ahead and stand on up. And I'm already standing, so we'll go with that. And then students and everybody else who's not a parent of a student, your time's coming, so don't, don't, don't worry. We'll get you next week or week after or something. But I want to hear you loud, church, when we get to the end of this. Parents, may the Lord bless you with minds covered by the peace of Christ the joy of the Holy Spirit, the knowledge that your child goes forward with God himself watching over them. May the inevitable challenges of parenting God's children not consume you but excite you. May each day be a sacrament of worship to God, a sacrament of service to him and your children. May you prosper in the workplace so that your days are covered in peace and prosperity. May God grant you the patience of Job, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Samson, the courage of David, and the joy of the resurrection as you lead your families to lives oriented toward the kingdom first. May every squall and storm be quieted by the peace be still of the one whom the storms obey. May your prayers be heard. May your children honor you. And may God's favor fall on you each day when you wake. And the church said, amen. Blessings. They're, in a sense, public prayers of things that we hope for. And they're powerful because we hear other people say them to us. So let us bless each other. I, when I was a baby preacher, I mean baby, like just getting started. I remember being in a room with a very, very well-known, famous guy uh, who was a pastor, longtime pastor. And it was one of those little deals where all the little ducklings gather around the, 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 the big geese or whatever, and here, we want the wisdom, you know. And somebody asked him, they said, if you had one piece of advice to give to young pastors, what would it be? It actually didn't take him very long, and he said, Become a thanking machine. That was, his, that was his advice. And he went on to explain. And he said, because when you encounter people at church, he goes, you don't know what they're carrying in there. A lot of them almost didn't come. A lot of them are thinking, I don't know if I can do this anymore. A lot of them are thinking to themselves, has anybody even noticed I'm here? A lot of them don't think that anybody notices their service. They don't notice that, they're, that they've been sacrificially giving money to the church for years. They don't think anybody notices. And when you say thank you, it's a way of, 
he uses the blessing word, blessing them. It's a way of saying, may you continue to glorify God by going to blank. And that stuck with me. And I can't tell you how many times somebody's done that for me. Just the right word at just the right time. So our church, we want to be a church of blessing. Thanking machines. Places where there's grace on tap. A place where people understand, may the Lord, and we pronounce those things, and we say them, and we preach them. So right now we're going to gather around the Lord's table. One of the great blessings we have in this life. To be able to commune on behalf of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. You should have received the elements when you came in. If you did not and you want to, to take communion with us and you'd like to go ahead and put your hand in the air just like so, we'll bring it to you. But right now I want us to dwell on this verse. This is Hebrews 4.16, which is in the, the context of there being a veil between man and God that could only, only the high priest could go in to that inner space. And writer Hebrews talks about how Jesus, because of his sacrifice, that's gone now. That we can go directly to God. Talk about a blessing. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That God, the picture is God standing there and instead of there being a big curtain where only the VIPs can go in, that's taken away and now we can go directly to God confidently to receive grace and mercy. That's a blessing, folks. And we can only do that because of Jesus, our great high priest who now blesses us from above, blesses us with the gift of the Holy Spirit, blesses us with his words, even to this day. So right now we remember him with bread and cup. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we take communion, as we pray before we sing, we say thank you. May you be blessed, Father, for all that you've done for us. May you be blessed for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the grace and the mercy that you give so freely that never runs out. And so, Father, in a few moments when we sing, he is for you. We know we're telling the truth. We're telling the truth that in Christ, you have said yes. You have said you're for us. And so, Father, now we say thank you. And we want to be people who say that with our lives, our words, upon our children, our parents, and our teachers and workers. God is for you. And if you are for us, who can be against us? We can say thank you, Father, for these promises. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.